Hi, I'm Kensley. And I'm Alyssa. And we're I'm, back! We are back Woo! together! I have a very exciting episode, but first of all, just want to say we reached 3,000 listeners. Yay! So that's super exciting. Thank you guys so much. We just reached it today as I'm releasing this episode. So that's in so honor exciting. of releasing such a monumental number, <laughs> I will also be releasing a very monumental case, I would Ooh. say. Alyssa doesn't know anything about it. I do not. But she's going to be hopefully excited. Um, this is a very, very famous case. So I'll just go ahead and get into it. Have a little bit of a longer intro. So just stick with me here. During the spring and summer of 1974, police in the Pacific Northwest were in a panic. Young women at colleges across Washington and Oregon were disappearing at an alarming rate and law enforcement had few leads as to who was behind it. In just six months, six women had been abducted. Panic in the area reached a fever pitch when Janice Ann Ott and Denise Marie Nasland disappeared in broad daylight from a crowded beach at Lake Sammamish State Park. But the boldest of the abductions also yielded the first real break in the case. On the day that Ott and Nasland vanished, several other women remember being approached by a man who had tried and failed to lure them into his car. You're listening to The Ugly Truth, and today we are covering the infamous story of Mr. Ted Bundy. Yeah! <laughs> Ted! Oh my gosh. We were just talking about this earlier this week. Little did you know I was already planning this. That is this. so, that is hilarious. Oh my gosh. All right. Cue the intro music. Oh my gosh, this is so funny. Those girls, who were almost kidnapped, told the authorities about an attractive young man with his arm in a sling. His vehicle was a brown Volkswagen Beetle, and the name he gave them was Ted. Oh, Ted. <laughs> After releasing this description to the public, the police were contacted by four people who identified the same Seattle resident, Ted Bundy. These four people included Ted Bundy's ex-girlfriend, a close friend of his, one of his co-workers, and a psychology professor who had taught Bundy. Whoa. But the police were flooded with tips, so they dismissed Ted Bundy as a suspect. thinking what? Thinking it was so unlikely that a clean-cut law student with no adult criminal record could be the perpetrator. He also didn't fit the profile because the FBI, like, profiled the person, you know, where they're like, he's probably like, antisocial or, like, whatever they say. Right. So he didn't fit that profile either. Huh. And these types of judgments benefited Ted Bundy many times throughout his murderous career as one of history's most infamous serial killers, which saw him take at least 30 victims across seven states in the 1970s. Wow. For a time, he fooled everyone. The cops who didn't suspect him, the prison guards whose facilities he escaped from, the women whom he manipulated, the wife who married him after he was caught, but he was, as his final lawyer said, quote, the very definition of heartless evil, end quote. Whoa. 
So, <laughs> you know when your own lawyer is saying you are heartless and evil. Yeah, yeah. You were trying to defend the dude. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, your whole job is to defend him, but you still saw right through it. Yeah, 100%. Oh my god. So let's go ahead and get into his like childhood background, all the things. Right. So Ted Bundy was born in Vermont across the country from the Pacific Northwest communities. He would one day terrorize. Oh dear. His mother was Eleanor Louise Cowell and his father was unknown. His grandparents, ashamed of their daughter's out of wedlock pregnancy, raised him as their own child. For nearly all of his childhood, he believed his mother to be his sister. <gasps> what? Yeah, <laughs> isn't that wild? I didn't know like, any of this. Uh, no wonder he's all messed up. What in the world? Oh yeah, and it just gets worse. <laughs> oh no. His grand grandfather would regularly beat Ted and his mother, causing her to run away with her son to live with cousins in Tacoma, Washington, when Bundy was just five years old. There, Eleanor met and married hospital cook Johnny Bundy, who formally adopted the young Ted Bundy and gave him his last name. Bundy disliked his stepfather and would later describe him to a girlfriend saying that he wasn't very bright and didn't make much money. Hmm. I don't know if that's why he didn't like him or probably other reasons. Yeah. Little else is known for sure about the remainder of Bundy's childhood as he gave conflicting accounts of his early years to different biographers. In general, he described an ordinary life punctuated by dark fantasies that affected him powerfully. Though the degree to which he acted on them remains unclear. Hmm. Now to some, like, college-age right. background. Okay. He graduated from high school in 1965, then enrolled in the nearby University of Puget Sound. I think that's how you say that. He spent just one year there before transferring to the University of Washington to study Chinese. What? <laughs> yeah. How Super do you, how do I am not knowing all of these things? Like, how yeah, are you just, Yeah, I like... was researching and I was like, what? I don't remember any of that, but the world. my knowledge of Ted Bundy basically goes from the um, Zac Efron movie. Uh, <laughs> so. Yeah. <laughs> but he dropped out briefly in 1968, but quickly re-enrolled as a psychology major. And that's what I remember, psychology. Right. During his time out of school, he visited the East Coast, where he likely first learned that the woman he believed to be his sister was actually his mother. Then, back at UW, University of Washington, Bundy started dating Elizabeth Klopfer, a divorcee from Utah who worked as a secretary at the School of Medicine on campus. Later, she was among the first to report Bundy to police as a suspect in the Pacific Northwest murders. So she turned real quick. <laughs> right. Also among the four people who gave police Bundy's name was former Seattle police officer Ann Rule, who met Bundy at around the same time while they were both working at Seattle's Suicide Hotline Crisis Center. This man worked at a suicide crisis center. Can you what? imagine you're like in your deepest, darkest, most vulnerable position and Ted Bundy is talking to you? Right. <laughs> He's like, do it. And you're like, oh, <laughs> what? Yeah. Oh my gosh, that's actually scary. It's scary how like, relax like i'm not relaxed but how easy it was for him to just weasel his way in like he just yeah he just got jobs yeah and like did everything oh my gosh then in january of 1974 the disappearances began ted bundy's first known attack was not an actual murder but instead an assault on 18 year old karen sparks a student and dancer at the university of washington and honestly 
this girl, like, after hearing what happens to her, in my opinion, it's worse than, like, getting murdered. Like, oh, literally. no. So he broke into her apartment and blunge- bludgeoned her unconscious with a metal rod from her bed frame before sexually assaulting her with the same object. Oh, his assault left her in a 10-day coma and with permanent disabilities. <gasps> yeah. Wait, so they he was charged with this? No, not yet. Oh. Okay. Yeah. yeah, so then his next victim and his first confirmed murder was Linda Ann Healy, another University of Washington student. A month after his assault on Karen Sparks, Bundy broke into Healy's apartment in the early morning, knocked her unconscious, then clothed her body and carried her out to his car. She was never seen again, but part of her skull was discovered years later at one of the locations where Bundy dumped his bodies. Uh, so. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Is that wild? Yeah. Part of her skull. So you can't even imagine what he did to her. Oh, that's so sad. Yeah, my guess is his M.O. is pretty much just like the girl he assaulted, except he actually murdered the other ones. Right. So, I mean, because he was pretty tight-lipped about... A lot of things. A lot of things. Yeah, Like, some things he was very open about, and then the rest he was just like, well, you guess you never know. Yeah, there's some things we'll we'll never know. Yeah. Afterward, Bundy continued targeting female students in the area. He developed a technique approaching women while wearing a cast or appearing otherwise disabled and asking them to help put something in his car. I just got rear-ended today and this was like my thought. I was like, this dude's gonna kidnap me and stuff me in his car. Yeah, I get really nervous every time, anytime something like that happens. Yeah, and here we have some quotes from Ted Bundy, so just really makes your skin crawl. So he would bludgeon the victims unconscious before binding sexually assaulting and killing them, dumping their bodies in a remote location in the woods. And Bundy would often revisit these sites to have intercourse with their decaying corpses. What? Yeah. In some cases, Bundy would decapitate his victims and keep their skulls in his apartment, sleeping beside his trophies. Oh. Here's the quote. Oh, that was it. Oh, oh (laughs) my gosh. So Ted Bundy once said, quote, the ultimate possession was, in fact, the taking of the life and then the physical possession of the remains, end quote. The ultimate possession. Oh, that. That's so gross. Okay, here's the worst one, though. This is another quote. Oh, no. He also said, quote, murder is not just a crime of lust or violence. It becomes possession. They are part of you. The victim becomes a part of you, and you two are forever one. And the grounds where you kill them or leave them become sacred to you, and you will always be drawn back to them. End quote. That's, like, so terrifying. I'm just in shock. I, like, you guys can't see me right now, but I'm literally, my mouth <laughs> Jaws is to the floor. <laughs> open. Like, yeah. <laughs> are you Oh. See, it's one of those things where you feel like you know a lot about a serial killer. Yeah. And then you just, I just don't. Like, I feel like we've get, we've, Ted Bundy is one of those people, like, I feel like it's gone down a rabbit hole of people have turned him into, like, a legend, like, an urban Mm -hmm. legend. And we have to face the reality of this is a real man. Yeah. That was this sick and twisted. Like, somebody didn't make him up. Like, he was a real person. This isn't a story. Like, this genuinely happened. Right. Like, that's terrifying. Mm Mm-hmm. It's awful. Oh my gosh, I hate it. Yeah. 
And over the next five months, Bundy abducted and murdered five female college students in the Pacific Northwest. Donna Gail Manson, Susan Elaine Rancourt, Roberta Kathleen Parks, Brenda Carol Ball, and Georgianne Hawkins. Responding to this rash of disappearances, police called for a major investigation and enlisted a number of different government agencies to help look for the missing girls. One of these agencies was the Washington State Department of Emergency Services, where Bundy worked. Uh, he worked at an emergency. <laughs> what the fuck? What? Yeah. That's probably the suicide hotline place. That's, that's what I would imagine. I just... Uh, oh my gosh. It's terrifying. Yeah. yeah. So there, at the emergency services place, Bundy met Carol Ann Boone, which is a very famous name in this case, right. if you know it. She was a twice-divorced mother of two, whom he would date on and off for years as the murders continued. Right. As the manhunt for the abductor continued, more witnesses produced descriptions that matched Ted Bundy and his car. Just as some of his victims' bodies were being discovered in the woods, Bundy was accepted to law school in Utah and moved to Salt Lake City. Crazy, like, you never know who you're accepting into a college. Like, oh, imagine. yeah. Oh, my imagine. gosh. Yeah, and while living there, he continued to assault and murder young women, including a hitchhiker in Idaho and four teenage girls in Utah. Oh my gosh. Ugh, so... So uh, sick. Like, it's just disgusting. I can't even imagine. It's just, like, it's such a series of unfortunate events. Like, he was about to get caught where he was, and then he moves mm-hmm. to Utah, and yeah. nobody can track him. because That's, like, like, the theme of this whole situation. Right. It's like, we're so close, and then, boom, this happens. Yeah, and then he moves, and then he's gone. And you can just... You and then he escapes. Him. Like, right. I, we'll, we'll get into that. Yeah. <laughs> we will get into that. A witness saw Bundy in Utah and immediately contacted police, confirming the suspicions on Bundy. So she saw him, like, with some girls or something. Huh. There was now a mounting pile of evidence pointing toward Ted Bundy. And when Washington investigators compiled their data, Bundy's name appeared at the top of the suspect list. Finally. Finally, geez. Unaware of law enforcement's growing interest in him, Bundy continued killing, journeying to Colorado from his home in Utah to murder more young women there. Finally, in August 1975, Bundy was pulled over while driving through a Salt Lake City suburb, and police discovered masks, handcuffs, and blunt objects in the car. While this was not enough to arrest him, a police officer, realizing that Bundy was also a suspect in the earlier killings, put him under surveillance. This is, like, the, like, part of this that I remember so clearly. It was, like, a traffic stop. Like, he ran a stop sign or something. Right. Gets pulled over, and they're like, huh, we recognize this car. Like, right. <laughs> it's been on the news, and then that's how he was taken into custody. Yeah. I feel like that happens a lot. Yeah. Like... We hear that a lot of like, it was just mm-hmm. a routine traffic stop. And then now we found a murderer that's been killing like tens of yeah. people. You know, like Yeah. Ugh. And then once he was taken into custody, they put him in a lineup where he was identified by one of the women whom he had attempted to abduct. And this woman like literally is part of the reason why he even got arrested because like she was the first one to report it. She goes to court. It's like a whole thing. It's in the Zac Efron movie also, so. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, he was convicted of kidnapping and assault and sent to prison while police attempted to build a murder case against him so they could hold him on assault charges and kidnapping for now. Hmm. But arrest didn't stop Ted Bundy from killing.
was soon able to, for the first of two times in his life, escape from custody. In 1977, he escaped from the law library at the courthouse in Aspen, Colorado. Because he was serving as his own lawyer, as many incredible serial killers do, right. he had been allowed into the library during a break in his preliminary hearing. Nominally, he was researching the laws pertaining to his case. Iconic. Like, right. He's like, oh, I, he's like, I don't actually know. So I'm going to look it up. Yeah. But the fact that he was his own counsel also meant he was unshackled. And when he saw his chance, he took it. He jumped from the library's second floor window and hit the ground running, disappearing into the trees before the guard returned to check on him. This, I would, my, like earlier this week, I'm texting Kensley, <laughs> mind blown. I'm like, how did I not know that Ted Bunny escaped prison? Not only one time, <laughs> but, but twice. Times. He escaped yeah. prison twice like the yeah uh i don't know how i didn't know this it's actually crazy yeah meanwhile i've like written half this episode and i'm like ah just you wait <laughs> yeah i'm like she, she knew she read my mind <laughs> so ted planned to make his way toward aspen mountain and he broke into a cabin and later a trailer for supplies <laughs> but resources were scarce and it wasn't long before he scrapped his plan to vanish into the wilderness Back in Aspen, he stole a car, thinking to put some distance between himself and the jail cell he was fleeing. But the reckless speed with which he left Aspen made him conspicuous, and police officers spotted him. Good for them. Right. <laughs> so he was recaptured after only six days of being on the run. That's a lot of time. Like, if you think about it? Six days. Six days. He could have... Like, there's a... You could have murdered so many people on that. Oh. Who knows? He probably did. Who knows? I know. Yeah, he. he th nobody's telling us he's he was honest. About yeah, <laughs> no one's like. Not. Yeah. Ugh. So Bundy's next escape, part two, took place just six months later. This time from a jail cell. After carefully studying a map of the prison, Bundy realized that his cell was directly beneath the living quarters of the prison's chief jailer. The two rooms were separated only by a crawl space. Of course. Of course. Conveniently, they put Ted in that room. Like, there's right. a crawl space in between. Right. The one inmate that's actually going to care and <laughs> yeah. study it and is smart enough the to The one who has in. tried to escape previously and has succeeded. Right. Like, like there's other inmates that are not smart enough to think about that. Like, yeah. Ugh. And this is where his brain, like, he's smart and I hate to admit it. But yeah, he's a genius. Yeah. He traded with another inmate to get a small hacksaw. And while his cellmates were exercising or showering, he worked away at the ceiling, scraping away layer after layer of plaster. That's insane. Yeah. The crawl space he made was very small. Very small. He began deliberately cutting back on meals in an effort to lose weight. So he's, like, trying to, like, get skinnier it's so he can crawl through that. This man was a genius. And that's the sad part about it. It's, like... He only got away with this because he was a genius. Like, oh, 100%. Like, I it's feel wild. like most serial killers are literally, they're, they're so smart. Yeah. But especially, it, like, in these, like, first degree murder situations, like, you know they're premeditated. That's what makes it first degree. Right. And he, like, very clearly premeditates them. Yeah. So, anyway, um, in this time around when he escaped, he planned ahead. Unlike last time when his escape had failed because he was without resources in the outside world, he stowed away a small pile of money smuggled to him by Carol Ann Boone, oh, her favorite gal. Oh, my God. The woman who would later marry him in prison. I hate her. Me too. <laughs> when he was ready, 
Bundy finished the hole and crawled up into the chief jailer's room. Finding it unoccupied, how convenient, he swapped his prison jumpsuit for the man's civilian clothes and strolled out the jail's front doors. She walked out the front doors. And nobody, I'm sorry. I feel like Ted Bundy has a very noticeable face. Nobody noticed? Yeah. Like, is that crazy? This is supposed to be, like, the most attractive serial killer or whatever. And right. No one's and I'm, him. I'm sorry. He's in a high security prison. You have to be. Yeah. Like, ugh. It's so frustrating. Yeah. Like, I'm like, how did he get through? How did nobody stop him at all? No clue. Dude, it's wild. It's so crazy. Oh, my gosh. But this time, he didn't waste time. He stole a car immediately and got out of town, making his way all the way to Florida. Holy cow. From Aspen? Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. It had been Bundy's intention to keep a low profile, but Florida life was presenting unexpected challenges. Unable to produce identification, he couldn't get a job, he was back to grifting and stealing for money, and the compulsion toward violence was simply too strong. On January 15th, 1978, two weeks after his escape, Bundy broke into a Chi Omega sorority house on the Florida State University campus. Imagine going to Florida State. Like, I just thought about that. Like, you go to Florida State and you're like, yeah, this is where Ted Bundy killed a bunch of girls. Yeah, you're like, okay, yeah, that's the And house. being in that sorority. Oh, like, yeah. I'm in the Ted Bundy sorority. I feel like that's, like, a badge of honor maybe you shouldn't wear. Yeah, exactly. You know? Like, exactly. Maybe that isn't a good thing. Yeah. So, within the span of just 15 minutes, he sexually assaulted and killed Margaret Bowman and Lisa Levy, bludgeoning them with firewood and strangling them with stockings. He then assaulted Kathy Kleiner and Karen Chandler, who both suffered horrific injuries, including broken jaws and missing teeth. He then broke into the apartment of Cheryl Thomas, who lived several blocks away, and beat her so badly that she lost her hearing permanently. Isn't that wild? 15 minutes? Yeah, that's the first How many people was that? Or that was all no, of No, all it. of them. One, two, three, four, five. Five people in 15 minutes. That's like a person every three minutes. I, that's so scary. Isn't that, and like, it's just like, he's that strong and like driven by Mm -hmm. these demonic, you know, forces. Like, that's insane. Yeah, it's crazy. Oh my gosh, it's so scary. So on February 8th, still on the run, Bundy abducted 12-year-old Kimberly Diane Leach from her middle school and murdered her, (gasps) concealing her body on a pig farm. Oh my gosh. I hate that. Like a middle schooler. Because it was, like, primarily he would target, like... Older women, Older yeah. women, college-age girls, not middle schoolers. So that's really sad. Ugh. And then, once it's again... to him. Like, he's going yeah. crazy. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, my God. He's about to get what's coming to him. Just wait. Right. <laughs> yeah. So then, once again, his reckless driving caught the attention of the police. When they realized that his plates belonged on a stolen car, they pulled him over and found the IDs of three dead women in his vehicle. Uh... Linking him Why to the FSU Why did you keep them? Why did you keep them? It's a trophy thing, probably. Oh, my gosh. Knowing he keeps their skulls. You yeah. get sloppy when you get stressed, yeah. you know? Yeah, and Bundy told the arresting officer, quote, I wish you had killed me, end quote. Uh, that's <laughs> cash. You're just, yeah. like, casually, like, I wish you would have killed me. Yeah. What? I'm like, if you're because not... Because you know, like, you've done something terrible. Like, you know you're going to get caught at this point. You have three licenses of dead girls in your 
car. Right. What did you expect was gonna happen, dude? I, yeah. Especially if you're driving recklessly, like, at least drive well. I, I know, <laughs> I'm like, you're, you got caught once already for not driving. Yeah. For driving recklessly. Yeah, like, what? Okay. Yeah. And now to the trial. So... Throughout his ensuing trial, Ted Bundy sabotaged himself by ignoring the advice of his lawyers and taking charge of his own defense, as we know. He unnerved even those assigned to work with him. So, the defense investigator, Joseph Alloy, said, quote, I would describe him as being close to being- wait, (laughs) sorry. I would describe him as being as close to being like the devil as anyone I ever met, end quote. Oh, wild. Oh, that's that's so terrifying. Like, imagine uh, being his lawyer. Came that in. is so scary. And that was the defense lawyer, too. Like, he was trying to defend Ted Bundy. Right. I did. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-mm. But Bundy was ultimately convicted and placed on death row at Florida's Rayford Prison, where he suffered abuse from other prisoners, including gang rape by four men. Whoa. And he conceived a child with Carol Ann Boone, whom he'd married while he was on trial. Wait. What? Yeah. How? So she got pregnant. I don't know. They probably snuck around and like, I don't know. I'm just I, saying. He found like, a way. <laughs> in prison and all of a sudden they're just like, yeah. Yeah. This is, yeah, you guys can, we can trust you. To, yeah. To- all I'm saying is if he found a way to escape prison and murder a bunch of people, he's finding a way to get it in prison. Like, right. You know? Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's insane. Yeah. And they got married while he was in prison. Yeah. 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 Super stand-up guy. And I'm pretty sure the whole time he was convincing her that he didn't do it. Like, he was like, you know me, I didn't do this. Like, Uh, that's what I'm pretty sure happened. Oh my gosh. So, Bundy was finally executed by electric chair on January 24th, 1989. Hundreds of people gathered outside the courthouse to celebrate his death. Oof. Eleanor Rose, the mother of victim Denise Naslin, she was one of the first two killed. Right. Said, quote, for everything he did to the girls, the bludgeoning, the strangulation, humiliating their bodies, torturing them, I feel that the electric chair is too good for him. End quote. Wow. I like 100% agree, though. Yeah. I feel like... I it's feel too like easy of an escape. Like, death was easier. It's too easy. Like, it would have been e- harder for him to just live out the rest of his life sentence. Like, yeah. a life sentence would have yeah. been, I feel, more justified. Because people yeah. hated him in prison. It wasn't like... Yeah, he was like, you're gonna like live a, miserably. I don't know, honestly. He would have find a, found a way to live. I don't know. It's... Because it, clearly he's a smart man. Yeah, he very much is. And so, yeah, I guess there's... It's a lose-lose situation. Yeah. So, though he confessed to many murders before the before his death, the true number of Bundy's victims remains unknown. Bundy denied certain killings, despite physical evidence tying him to the crimes, and alluded to others that were never substantiated. Ultimately, yeah. <laughs> like, you're like, okay, you're literally gonna die, probably one of the most infamous killers ever. But you can't literally. you can't acknowledge the murders we know you did. Yeah. But you're, you're gonna You're literally lose. tied to this one. What is it gonna do? You're gonna die anyway. Like, right. It's not gonna add to your I just tell us. Yeah. And you, but you're gonna allude to ones that we don't know about. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh I hate it. Like I feel like he just his whole MO was to make people wonder and to be like oh well maybe mm-hmm. like he knew yeah 100 that's what's scary about it is he knew he was infamous oh it's wild yeah he knew people like and there was like people worshiping him at this point like he got fan letters and like that's disgusting wild. yeah i'm like oh why you're worshiping a murderer okay cool <laughs> yeah good for you <laughs> but ultimately 
All of this has led authorities to suspect Bundy killed anywhere from 30 to 40 women, making him one of the most infamous and terrifying serial killers in American history, and perhaps the very definition of heartless evil. Uh, That's all. <laughs> oh my gosh. Ugh, Ted Bundy. He makes me so mad. I know. There's still people that worship him, though. There's nope. still people that are like, yeah. well, he's just so attractive. I'm like, you're saying a man who killed, like, 30 yeah. women is attractive? What? Yeah, it's wild. And, like, there's some crazy, like, if you guys are book readers, there's some crazy books out about him. Like, the woman that he dated throughout the beginning of this whole crime journey, like, before he mar- married Carol Ann or whatever, Ugh. she had a daughter and stuff. Like, she had a young daughter. And she wrote a book about, like, this is the things I noticed later on about, like, how he lived. And it's called, I think, The Stranger Beside Me. So look into that if you like books. Cause it's super interesting. But it's basically just, like, her life living with Ted Bundy. Like, he lived with her. That's terrifying. Yeah, knowing, like, she had no idea what was going on. She had a young daughter in the um, house with her. Uh, so. I, it just, like, it just proves, like, all of us know the like you know the crime junkie way of like you ju- mm-hmm. you have to be vigilant and you have to be like okay if there's something sketchy going on don't just ru- like throw right. it under the rug you you need to like tell someone <laughs> yeah or like call like, the police how this whole finding out Ted Bunny was a serial killer all started from one woman coming forward about mm-hmm. something that she thought well something that happened to her yeah but then also there was people that were like well this is kind of sketchy I don't know yeah like his ex girlfriend who was like well I think it might be my ex-boyfriend like right you know trying to yeah say something because yeah it could be too late if you keep silent yeah you never know who you're dealing with pretty much yeah but yeah that's all i have on this case it's definitely a longer episode because there's so much to unpack there but yeah tried to keep it somewhat brief but yeah yeah anyways um Make sure you guys follow us on Instagram. Yeah. Send us an email. You can also follow us personally on Instagram. Our bios are linked in yes. the podcast Instagram, which I will have linked in the show notes below. Yeah. Thank you guys again for listening. And thank you so much for 3,000 listeners. Woo! We've reached 22 countries. That's 3,000 different people. Like We are just... It's wild. We are blown away. Like We, we started this as a joke. And now it's like... <laughs> and now here we are. Now we here we are. This is our life. It's so mm-hmm. much fun. It is wild. All right. Well, we love you guys so much. And we will be bringing you another episode, I guess, this week because we're releasing it on a Monday. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We'll bring it to you soon. Within a week. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. But thank you guys again. And we will see you next time. Bye. Bye.